0: Today on Pilgrim Radio's his people, Sarah Zilstra on biblical principles to guide us in honoring the Lord online.
1: Just the, the weirdest twist that the media that promises you connection actually isolates you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it pulls you away from other people in your real life, and that it the, the connections it's offering they're offering you is so shallow. It's not the same thing as sitting down and having coffee with someone.
0: Sarah Zilstra, next. Social media can be both a delight and a disaster for women who want to love God and love neighbor. The industry has grown so fast that it's been hard to figure out how to handle it wisely. In less than 20 years, more than 75% of American women have signed up for an account. The latest surveys show Americans spend more than two hours a day scrolling, posting, and liking. To help navigate this area of our lives with grace and discernment, Sarah ekoff Zilstra has edited and contributed to the new book, Social Sanity in an Insta World. Here's Kimberly Burchill.
2: Sarah, I'd like to begin by having you tell
1: us about your own personal journey with social media. So I have been on social media, for, well, I'm not right now, but I started on social media after my first son was born, I was in the very small gap of people who when social when Facebook first opened up, I was between I wasn't in college anymore, but I didn't have my first child yet. So I was in graduate school, those couple years in between there. And so I missed the first blush of it. But I did get on when my when things slowed down for us a little bit. And I was at home with my baby. And my first I remember like it was so great because when you're at home with your kid by yourself, um, there's so much social interaction that you're missing and that seemed to offer. And it did a way to connect with people, other moms who were doing this. And then I was homeschooling for five years and it was also a way to connect with other homeschoolers, see what people were doing and not feel so alone during the day. So that was a great stretch of time for me when social media, I think served me well probably less well than I thought it did, but still that's what how that was going and then over time um, I I got more and more uncomfortable with it, and I think that was me changing, but it was also social media changing. Uh, it's a business and so they're making money, and so the more things that they added to make money, I just felt more and more uncomfortable with I was spending more time there um, I wasn't enjoying it as much I wasn't sure what to post felt more and more uncomfortable with it. And then about um, a year and a half ago, we started working on social sanity in an Insta world, which is basically aimed at sort of, uh, it's aimed at women. And yet what I didn't realize until partway through the book is that it matters how old you are. And so we had missed in the book, the Gen Z. And so I did a podcast with Gen Z girls on how they use social media. And it was actually through that podcast that I realized their social media use is unhealthy and so is mine. And so about um, probably six months ago, I got off all my platforms altogether. Okay.
2: All right. Good. So you're the editor and a contributor to this yeah. book. Is that correct? Yeah. So who are the other contributors and who decided
1: what aspect of the topic they would write on? So our other contributors, i um, Jen Wilkin wrote on identity. Um, She's great with theology and she did an excellent job with writing about identity. Gretchen Saffels, who does Well Watered Women, wrote about emotions. She's a deep feeler. And so when she goes on Facebook, she feels deeply different things. And so she wrote about guarding your heart. Uh, Melissa Kruger, who does who manages the women's team for the Gospel Coalition, wrote on discernment, how you can figure out, you know, what you're doing. Is it the right, the wisest thing to do? Uh, Laura Wiffler who does risen motherhood wrote on us for influence she's done a lot of thinking and she's seen a lot in young moms the way that social media influences not only what you're kind of spending your time on but what's on the shelves at target who you vote for the way you think about your marriage way more than you think even if you don't have social media it's still affecting you so she wrote about influence. Stephanie Greer, who lives in Baltimore and um, works with the ministry there, wrote about relationships, loving people well online and offline. Anna Avila, who lives in Guatemala and wrote a book on time, wrote about rhythms and how you can reclaim your time. She does it. She's really great with, you know, she can be on Instagram, a certain number of of days and she thinks well about okay i'm going to write my posts while i'm offline go online and post them and not get stuck in the endless scrolling Um, and then emily jensen who also does risen motherhood wrote about whether you should stay or go her chapter is maybe my favorite one and was really influential for me because she wrote about things that she noticed in her own life um, that she was uncomfortable with and it was things like not being able to think as clearly being more tired, things that you might chalk up to being a busy mom, um, were actually things that she traced to being on social media a lot. And I can verify that is true. And then Ruth Cho Simons, um, who's an artist and a speaker wrote for us about posting. Well, she does a really like, if you're going to stay on and you're going to have a ministry there, how do you think about posting? Well, Okay. That's how we did the chapters. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: The first chapter is a history of social media, which you wrote. You Mm -hmm. point out that social media isn't even old enough to legally drink alcohol, yet its influence is astonishing. So please share some of the history of how we got
1: to where we are today. Yeah. You know, it started with Mark Zuckerberg, right? He was at Harvard in his freshman year. And he was just really talented with messing around with codes online and pairing things up. He'd done a couple earlier things where he'd pair you up and you could look and see what courses your friends were taking and you could sign up for those. So he's good at matching people. He also did one where he'd match people with a good with the music style that they liked. And so this one, he was he threw up something online where he you could match. He would put up two faces of people and an algorithm would just put up two more and more faces. And the kids at Harvard could vote on who they thought was better looking. Of course, the administration took that down immediately. And yet that was the seed for Facebook because so many people loved it so much. And so from there, he created Facebook in which you could go and put up profiles about yourself. I know there was stuff before that, right? We remember MySpace even, or even before that, some friend networks, but Facebook has been So has blown everybody else so far out of the water in terms of its success, even like Instagram and TikTok and Twitter, and those things are successful, but Facebook is still like two and three times at least the size of everybody else. And so they're kind of the, the history that we traced through. Two big turning points for Facebook. One of them was when they added the news feed. Before that, um, you would go and I would look at your site and, and be like, "Oh, that's cool. That's what she's up to. Kimberly's doing that." And then we would say, "I'd go to my sister's page and see what she was doing." And then I would go to somebody else, whoever I could think of, I could go to their page and look. The news feed um, made it a lot easier. If you think about. You know, even in terms of the news moving from the nightly news to a 24-hour cable news network, Mm -hmm. same thing, right? Facebook just took all the things that were happening and put them all in one endless scroll for you. And at first, people were furious because it felt like an invasion of privacy. Like, hey, why are you showing all my stuff to everybody instead of just the people who would come and look. And why am I forced to look at everybody else's news? And yet the same people who were protesting were on twice as much as they were before. And so they left it there. And that was, that was a huge turning point. And you see it in all other social media platforms, use that same thing because it's just so effective on a human mind The second thing they accidentally did that was um, turned out to be addictive was to add the like button. Mm -hmm. Um, And they did it just for convenience. Like, oh, everybody has to write on every picture looks good or I like that or, you know, you're looking good. So they were like, well, let's just put a like button and it'll just be faster and easier. But what it does in your brain is the same thing that gambling does is you're like, I wonder how much, how many likes am I going to get? I wonder if anybody else liked it since that last time. I wonder, like, it's a way for you to sort of measure yourself against yourself and against other people. And it's also uncertain. You never know for sure what it's going to be. And that uncertainty is like a little, just the way that gambling works. And so we go back for that again and again and again and again to see if we can get more likes or to see if anybody else liked it. That was also tremendously influential. And you also see that in other social media platforms as well.
2: Right. We fall right into that trap, don't we? (laughs) There was a statistic that you mentioned that kind of blew my mind that had to do with the number of people on Facebook compared to the total number of people on Earth.
1: Yes. There's like 3 billion people on Facebook, probably more, and there are 8 billion people in the world. So that's crazy, right? That is crazy. Crazy. There is nothing else that
2: has that kind of reach. Right. And so he has way more power than we
1: even think because everybody's listening. Yeah. And you can see then why that shapes who you vote for, how you think about your marriage, you know, political things that are going on in different countries. Because, uh, you know, if you have the ear of a third of the people on earth, more than a third, then uh, yeah, that's going to be pretty influential. Right. That, that was
2: astounding when I read that. In chapter two, Jen Wilkins states social media is not new. Any medium that enables communication between people can fairly be categorized as social media. For Christians, one notable example of very old social media is the combined work of the Bible and prayer. So would you give a, just sort of break that down for our listeners a bit? What is she talking about there?
1: Yeah, you know, we're meant to be social creatures, God created us for community, which is one reason why this just hits right on the desires of our hearts, right? It's like, oh, I want to be with people. We're meant to be like that. God himself, um, if you think about the Trinity, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? And he made us to enjoy him and to so he could enjoy us. So there's just community built all through us. So there's a, a beauty that social media is promising. I think where that goes wrong is that social media makes us a promise it can't fulfill. It's promising basically to take off your limits and to connect you with everybody in the world so you could know everybody, everything that's happening in real time. You, you can have 3000 friends, but we're limited people, so we can't actually have 3000 friends. And so what's interesting to look at the research that's been done when, as you trace the rise of social media, you can also trace the feelings of isolation and loneliness. Those things just go together. And it's so sadly ironic and, and just the, the weirdest twist that the media that promises you connection actually isolates you, mm-hmm. um, and that it pulls you away from other people in your real life and that it, the, the connections it's offering, they're offering you is so, shallow. It's not the same thing as sitting down and having coffee with someone. Is
2: social media inherently evil and why or why not? I don't think
1: it's inherently evil because we have a God who is sovereign over everything. And so I if there's a there's I think there's good that we have seen that can come out of social media. I I don't want to give it to the realm of Satan or anything. I think there is good there. I think God works good there. So I don't think the medium itself is evil. I also, though, don't think it's neutral. I don't think social media is the same thing as a paper and a pen because the social media is designed to keep you there. So there are things like the newsfeed and the like button that they won't pull back because this is an economic business. Um, and their first their first goal is for you to stay there a long time so they can sell advertisements to you and sell you to advertisers. Their first goal is not your own mental or spiritual health. Mm-hmm. So I think you can use it well, but I think you gotta be careful.
2: Okay. Proverbs 9:10 states the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. What does fearing the Lord have to do with social media?
1: Yeah. I think the same thing the fearing the Lord has to do with with everything in your whole life. And that's what should be shaping us all together. I think when you're on social media as a Christian, you should look different from non-Christians who are on there. I think you should think differently about it. I think you should consider, um, does this help me exhibit more fruits of the spirit? Does this help me know and love God more? And if it legitimately does, then I think you can use it well i think you um a christian should have the self-discipline if they notice things are wrong there not to just shrug and say oh well I, this is what it is i'm going to keep using it but to prayerfully submit that to god if they need to make changes in their life i think it means that they um, don't pass on gossip i think it means that they rejoice with those who rejoice i think it means they pray for people that they see on there i think the fear of the lord shapes everything about how we use social media.
2: Mm -hmm. Sometimes we forget that, I think, as we get lost in the endless scroll. And we become more and more like the world instead of you know, yep. <laughs> keeping that boundary. Set the other way becoming, around. Yes, yeah. Becoming more yeah. and more like Jesus, yeah. I mm-hmm. think uh, anybody that's been on there for a while, I hope they've, I know I have seen the influence that it's having on me and gone, okay, <laughs> I need to put this aside for a little bit. And and after reading the book, I'm even thinking about that more. So <laughs> yeah, 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 it's good. I'm speaking with Sarah ekoff Zelstra. Senior Writer and Faith and Work Editor for The Gospel Coalition, and we're talking about the book Social Sanity in an Insta World, which she is the editor of and a contributor. Sarah, in regards to emotions in social media, the inset on page 56 presents results from a Gospel Coalition survey. Were you surprised that the highest percentage of respondents reported that social media makes them feel irritated— and the smallest percentage reported that it makes them feel happy.
1: I was maybe surprised they reported that, but um, boy, I didn't have to think about that very long to recognize that in my own self, right? Um, Social media also made me feel irritated. Um, I felt irritated with the people who were posting there. I felt irritated with myself. I felt irritated with how long I was there. It it just sort of you know, it promises it's going to be fun. So I think we go to social media with the with this high expectation and anticipation of like, this is going to be fun. And then we get on there and it's never as fun as we think it's going to be, right? It's either somebody posted something boring or something annoying um, or something that we're envious of. So I guess I'm not surprised that people are irritated by it.
2: Yes, I think I've been both and probably more irritated and then irritated at, my friends, and then I ha- I have to start watching my own heart. They're like, just, you know, I see steam coming out of the top of my head about some comment that someone made. I'm mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Okay, this isn't good. It's um,
1: interesting that we're so much more irritated with our friends on social media than we are if they said those things in real life in like in a course of a conversation. I think you just like somebody more when you're in the same room with them, and the, and it can be, they can say something annoying, but but you can kind of ask a question back or you can get more of a a full sense of what they're talking about.
2: Right. And it never comes out right on social media, at least for me. What, you know, it's like, okay, how do I That's write right. this back in a way that isn't, to, you know, so it just becomes, yeah, like, okay, I'll just bow out of that. Right. Right. <laughs> um, in the That's chapter nice. on emotions, the statement is made that the question is not, is social media affecting my emotions, but rather, am I aware of the influence social media is having? On my emotions why is it valuable to identify specific ways social media influences us
1: i think that's going back to living in the fear of the lord just being aware of our surroundings just being aware of how things are affecting us. I don't. I think it's hard to capture every thought unless you're aware of it, right? Or it's hard to submit our lives to the Lord unless we know what's going on in our lives and how we're feeling about things. Also, our emotions are so stinking powerful. They're far more powerful than we realize. We think we're rational creatures, but we are not. We're emotional. And then our, our rationality comes later to justify whatever it was that we wanted to do at that moment. And so I just think, yeah, being aware of how social media is affecting your emotions, any emotion really that, you, that you're having that you can dig into and find the root of. It's a sanctifying process. It's something you can submit to the Lord and learn from.
2: Mm-hmm. So maybe it would be good to ask ourselves questions when we find ourselves irritated. Mm. Why does that irritate me so much? You know, what is the root of this? And submit it to the Lord. Yeah. Melissa Kruger writes about discernment. She defines discernment as wisdom making a choice. I liked that. And says knowledge, wisdom, and discernment work together, helping us navigate safely through the world of social media. Why is discernment so important with social media? And I think we've been talking about that, but we can we got to keep bringing that back so that we're all aware of it.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. And I what I love about her chapter is it starts not with um, more time or more thinking about social media, but more time in thinking about the Lord. Like the only thing that can give you good discernment is spending that time in the word and Amen. in worship and with other Christians and having your heart formed by the Lord. In her chapter, she tells a story about a girl who, like the way that you tell forgeries of money is not by studying forgeries, but by studying the real thing. Mm. Um, and that's absolutely with our mm. discernment with all things social media too. It's not like we can, discern well on social media unless our our real lives are are in order and submitted to God.
2: How do we practice discernment in a real-life scenario?
1: Yeah, like a social media scenario? Mm -hmm. I think one of the wisest things that we can do is to take a break from social media and re-root ourselves in the rhythms of everyday living. And I think the more time that we can spend doing that and whether that is um, spending time with our kids and our friends and our spouse and our church family volunteering in real life those things will feed into um, how we can see things on social media i just think another way to be discerning is to be quiet on social media not to post immediately or you know when you see something that's irritated uh, but to take a beat and to pray about it and to think think wisely about it, to consider responding offline to something that's making you irritated, or you know, even if somebody posts something that's sad or happy, like just use that as fodder to speak to them about that in real life. I think the more we can take social media as seeds for real conversations, um, that's probably the best way to use it. Laura Wiffler writes
2: on the influence social media has on us, and in particular through social media influencers. What are some of the areas that are in our lives that we can find ourselves being influenced by social media? I know,
1: again, you've mentioned a few, Mm -hmm. but let's just sort of throw a list out there for me. Yeah, I'm just gonna. I'm on page 83, and I'm just gonna tell you, read this paragraph to you. I think it's incredibly powerful. She says, when you spend time on social media, it changes how you shop. It literally changes what's on the shelves at Target, what you eat, who you vote for, where you give money, how you exercise, how you educate your kids, what books you read, what you talk about at the dinner table. It affects how you run your business, how you make love to your husband and how you worship God. Social media will shape what's important to you, what's worthy of your time, what you believe and what you love. That's maybe the most powerful paragraph in the whole book, right? I remember reading it, yeah. Just in shaping culture it is just the most powerful
2: influence that we have. And what should be the most powerful influence in our lives
1: as Christians? Totally. It should be the gospel. It should be your time with the word. It should be spending time with a local body of believers that shapes you to look more and more like Jesus. And we have to keep remembering social media disciples us just by the amount of time we spend there. And if you're just going, Oh, I'm popping over while I'm standing in the line at the grocery store. or Oh, I'm checking in while I'm you know, waiting for such and such, or, oh, I have a half an hour before dinner's done, or whatever it is. It seems like small, negligible amounts of time, and it is. But when you add those up, you are spending more time, many people, I should say, are spending more time social media than they're doing almost anything else. And there's no way that doesn't affect how you think. Right. That's what discipleship is. Because we're getting short on time, I'm going to jump down to
2: chapter eight, um, choosing to stay or to go. How do we make that decision? And how would you encourage women regarding making that decision?
1: Anyone who has the book on page 123 is an excellent list of how Emily Jensen was noticing that social media was, was affecting her. And I, I think about it in a couple ways. There, is, there are girls for whom salty snacks are just their weakness weak spot, right? And there are girls who can walk right by all the chips in the world, but chocolate cake or sweetness is their weak spot. So I think there is personality and, oh, attributes are gifted, different gifts that God gives to us. And I think some people have a higher tolerance for social media. Laura Wiffler, who gave me that example, has a higher tolerance for social media than I do. She can spend time there and not be as affected. Um, She can post things there and not worry about it. And she and God has been blessing her ministry there. But I think just to take your own temperature, almost a personality test of yourself, right? Like, does this bug me more than it gives me joy? Am I doing any good here, Um, Am I right? Like, am I, would these things, would my time better be served elsewhere? Is this the best use of my time and resources right now are just questions that we need to ask ourselves. And for me, it was just, no, it's not the best use of your, it is a use of your time and resources, but for me, not the best use of my time and resources. I noticed some things in my own life coming
2: in and then when I read the book I was like oh yeah this is just kind of like come confirmation here that Lord you brought this along because you're trying to you know bring this point home for me and um, and I'm of a i'm i I'm of the generation that probably a lot of my generation doesn't use social media because, it, you know, it came along later in our lives. And I did start for the same reason that was listed in the book, to keep up with nieces and nephews and their families and what they're doing, you know. But then that that turns into, two, you know, to other things. So the two things that stood out to me in the final chapter by Ruth Chow Simons were on your social media platforms, treat people with hospitality as if you had invited them into your house, and remember that John the Baptist declared, as a man with followers, he must increase and I must decrease. John three thirty. So, Sarah, how would you summarize the book, and what is your hope
1: for women's lives? I think I would summarize the book by saying this is just for, this is a book for women who use social Christian women who use social media. We hadn't found another place out there that could talk about there's other books on social media and how to use it. But to start from like, why are we here? Um, If our goal is to love the Lord and our lives, to look like him, then this is a big part of our lives and we need to submit this to him, too. I left social media. This is not a book that says you must leave social media, right? Um, It's just a book that says while you're on social media, think about these things. And so my hope would be that women would read it and be more intentional with what they're doing with their time and that they would love God more and remember that he's the one who gives them all good gifts.
2: Yes. And he has great connections for us to make in the real world too. And and it takes intentionality to do that. And sometimes I think when we get on social media, we get so wrapped up in that news feed that we miss the opportunities to be intentional it takes time away where we could be spending time with people in real life and and deepening those connections that are really true and deep connections. And so, yeah, the, there it, it definitely was thought-provoking for me and, and confirmation of things that the Lord was like, you know, I'd be like, Lord, I used to, oh, right, that was before I spent so much time on social media. Maybe I need to spend less time here and more time there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think you're. You just put your finger exactly right on it. Is that it's the distraction of it, right? It's just, you know, it's probably good in small doses, and yet the it's made to get big doses. It's you know, and it's and also you're one person, and you're it's you versus an in you and your self control versus an industry that has spent millions of dollars and PhDs in psychology to try and figure out how to keep you there. So. Yes, with the strength of the Lord, you can do anything, and yet just be really discerning about like, you, you are uh, in, a, in a battle for your attention, uh, you're probably not gonna win.
0: You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Sarah Ekoff Zilstra, writer and editor for the Gospel Coalition, an editor and a contributor to Social Sanity in an Insta World. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Ben Smallbone on a new movie about the faith of American singer Johnny Cash. You know, he's known as this rebel, this bad boy, this this guy that was in and out of prison and, and struggled with drugs. But little do people know that, you know, the last few decades of his life, he did everything he could to spread the gospel far and wide. Uh, to the point where he released a gospel album, he made a, a gospel movie called The Gospel Road. He released... Um, a book about his faith. He did 30 Billy Graham crusades. He did everything he could to spread the gospel. So, we wanted to make sure that people knew about that part of his story. That's tomorrow at this same time, right here on His People. Thanks for listening.